Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to Rita Chain Epic about Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea. Welcome, Rita. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. This book was so interesting to me. I love the time period, and I love the pirate story of it. Um, How would you describe this book? Um, What kind of genre would you put it in? Yeah, um, there's a funny story behind that. I remember when my agent first pitched this book to to various publishers. And um, in the pitch letter, she wrote, uh, well, this book is kind of a unicorn. <laughs> and, um, because you're right, it, it doesn't really fit into categories very neatly. And I, I remember being so scared. I asked my agent, I was like, do people want to buy unicorns? You know, like, are unicorns just this thing that people like to look at in the distance? Um, but like the maintenance and upkeep costs too much. But, uh, but you know, I, I was really happy that it found, you know, a very good home. And I do think it's a combination of different things. It's uh, an adventure story in part because, you know, we're, we're dealing with the high seas. But there's also a spiritual element that I really wanted to explore. You know, we can, um, you know, spiritual new age, whatever you want to call it. And at heart, it's also a, it's a story about queer, queerness and queer identity and, and also the kind of the, the found families that mm-hmm. we make for ourselves when, um, when the world doesn't uh, give us that many options. And so I kind of, I don't really know what to categorize it as still. And at this point, I've kind of given up trying to label. <laughs> well, and, and it's a love story in so many different ways. And I think, you know, one of the things early on, your main character says, as a child, the sea was freedom. And I remember waiting to turn 16 to get a car so I could be free. And I thought, you know, it spoke to me because oftentimes getting out of our box of how we grew up is what makes us free. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that to be your main character's goal. And I and I'm, I don't want to sim- make that simplistic. I mean, your main character does a lot of things to survive, and that was wonderful. Um, but I did like the fact that there were so many characters who were fluid. Um, will you talk about that and how important that was for the story? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you that certainly before the world kind of um, beats the, the main character, Sekyung, down, that for her, the sea was a way that she could um, live the kind of life that she felt like best suited her personality um, that she wouldn't have been able to find on land. So, you know, I mean, th- this is... Uh, this is a you know historical fact that back then a lot of times if you you know like if you were if you didn't fit in with the social mores um, in some way right whether it's mm-hmm. uh, gender sexuality um, religion you know I have a Muslim mm-hmm. character in there who wasn't being freely allowed to practice his religion on land then there was a way in which um, the sea you know or or a, a piracy um, became an out for 
the folks that, uh, you know, couldn't live the lives they wanted on land. And so I, I, I do agree. I think that there there's a way in which Sekyung finds her true self um, mm. when she's sexy. And there's a way that many of the other main characters find their true selves as a result of being at sea. And I think that that's where I saw so much of, there's a respect for the sea, which uh, the sea is a powerful uh, entity of itself in real life, not just in fiction, but I mean, the sea uh, swallows up lives. It also gives people a freedom, a life of its own. So you've got a character that's um, a sea goddess, Mazu, who mm-hmm. plays a very important role in the book. And what I think you did so wonderfully is you, your characters were so attuned to nature, which is something they would have had to have been to be a pirate. You can't make a living at it if you don't look at the signs. And that spirituality was so beautiful to me in this. Is that something that you, you know, intended to do? Yeah, I so I uh, while I was doing research for this novel, you know, I I did research for about two years before I actually mm-hmm. started drafting. And one of the really interesting facts that I came across was that pirates of this time were, you know, we don't usually think of pirates these days as being spiritual, you know, particularly mm-hmm. kind of religion minded or spirit, uh, spirituality minded. But they they actually were, and most of them worshipped this particular sea goddess, Mazu, which, if you think about it, makes plenty of sense. As you said, if you live at sea, to not be attuned to the, you know, the signs at sea, um, both physical signs like, oh, you know, there's a there's certain clouds moving and as well as spiritual signs um, from from the gods, then it it, it would have been hard for you to survive. And so um, when I found out that many, many of the pirates back then worshipped Mazu, I thought, well, let's let's see how we can incorporate that, because, you know, I'm trying to describe their lives in a in a fairly realistic, realistic way. How do I, why, how do I incorporate that into the, into the writing? And um, I started by, I remember I started by having just these little snippets, like two to three sentence snippets throughout the book of like, oh, um, you know, here's a myth about Mazu, here's another myth about Mazu. And it was actually during the revision process with my, my agent that my agent came back to me and said, you know, like these stories are fascinating. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you're considering the, um, that you're, you're putting spirituality in here, but I actually think you can blow it up a lot more. I, I actually think you can make, make these stories, uh, chapters even, I mean, my, my, that was my editor's idea, making them separate chapters, but like you can, you can really put the focus on some of these stories, um, and make it almost a, a formal element. So, you know, it was, I, I thought it was such a great idea. I did it. And I, I'm so glad that both my agent and my editor had similar uh, bits of advice. Well, that's one of the things that I found to be so sweet about the book. It was something that I, I'm a very spiritual person. And so for me, it spoke to me. I know not everyone is, but for me, it I, I, there's a there's an honor to it. Um, I worked for a cruise line for a while and not at sea, but on shoreside, but it would occasionally go, you know, the sea's not always happy. Sometimes it's angry and, you know, you have to learn to navigate it. I was simply a passenger, but when your survival depends on it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And it's good to see that kind of respect for nature. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. 
Thank you. And, and I think that's what you just said was beautifully put, right? That there's no, th that we can only kind of surrender to it, right? Yes. That, that, you yes. know, there's no, nobody can control the nature, definitely not the sea. And, um, and I think a certain amount of um, humility mm -hmm. is necessary if you're going to be spending a lot of time on the water. I think so. And with your main character set, what we see is she takes her life into her own hands as much as she can. So she understands that just as with the sea, she understands that the people surrounding her have agendas and she makes a way for herself, which I found to be so very empowering. You know, in life, we sometimes have to do some things we're not overly happy to do to survive <laughs> or to get ahead. And you, you've given that uh, ability to your main character to make decisions that aren't easy decisions, but decisions that not only affect her life, but those of her loved ones as well. Yeah, that was one of the things I, I kind of... Um, you know, as I'm sure you know from talking to so many authors, or, and perhaps you're an author yourself, that you you spend so much time. That many things change over the course of draft, but yeah. one thing that I was really clear on going into even the first draft was that I didn't want to downplay the the bad things that she did. Mm. You know, I think that um, it can be really easy to want because you know, like people 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 like likable main character, people yes. like likable yes. protagonists. And from a market perspective, it's actually probably a better idea to have a protagonist who's very like, oh, like she's very kind. She's, you know, she like she's adventurous, but she's, you know, she's still kind hearted. You know, she knows how to fight, but she's still kind hearted. And 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 I thought, but but that's not what pirates did, right? I no. mean it would be, you know, um and there there were a lot of decisions that she had to make which were really morally questionable. Um and uh, and I didn't want to I didn't want to pretend that she was somehow blameless in in all of this, and so um, so yeah I I, I um, and and you know and there are going to be people who like the character less as a result of that, but um, but hey it's this is the real world you know people well it is and there may be some of us that like the character more because of the reality in that because you know and so. The book also speaks to some social issues that we still see happening in today's world. Um, you know, the haves and the have nots. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of piracy did come about because of things like starvation, uh, uh, cor corrupt governments and stuff. It doesn't necessarily make a pirate blameless. But there's also there's also the thing about survival. Uh, I think we whitewash the past because we want the past to be pretty. We want to be able to sell the past. You know, it'll sell better on the newsstand, but it's not always the case. I mean, history doesn't, we can't just whitewash it and make it something different. Yeah. And so speak to that because I do, I do wonder. Um, and I think I get the sense that that too was very purposeful in your writing. Yeah, I it, I forget who said this, but you know that quote like history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. I I, for, I, I wish I could Ooh. remember who said this really smart thing, but um, but yeah, I mean I, you know I, I I don't think history is always a facsimile, but at the same time, if we look at our present society and pretend like the past had nothing to do with it, it I think betrays a kind of misunderstanding of the way that um, history. 
has always worked. And so, yeah, I, I think that, um, as you said, you know, like the, this was a time uh, of great wealth disparity. Um, this was the, the Qing <laughs> dynasty was on its way down. Like it had kind of hit its peak and like, it, you know, it was on, on the, on the downswing. And it was also a time of um, uh, frequent famines. So there were like, during this period, there were just crop failures one after the other, and the emperor wasn't really doing anything to help um, the peasants. And so a lot of these people turned to piracy, not because they particularly enjoyed swashbuckling, although, you know, some of them some of them probably did, <laughs> um, but a lot of them were just like, "Well, look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to feed myself. I'm trying to feed my family. Um, and if that, if, if the only way to do that is to be a pirate, then so be it." Um, and so, I, yeah, again, I, I, I suspect some people will think that I am. I don't know how to put it, projecting the present into the past. Like I, I was writing a historical novel, trying to mm -hmm. talk about modern day issues but it's actually not it's it's the reverse i wrote what i learned based on my research about that time period and then when it came out i went oh isn't that interesting there's so many there's so many parallels with the with the current moment and you know it is true i mean what you wrote was what happened but sadly we see that some of the same stuff we're still dealing with now and there again, as I said earlier, you know, we like to whitewash things and pretend that, you know, oh, today's so perfect. There's still a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of things that we can make better if we choose to. Yeah, I mean, look at what's happening in this country right now, right? Yes. I mean, like, like uh, and not just right now. I mean, there there has been a concerted effort to roll back so many civil rights since, yes, yes. you know, for, for decades now. Um, and of course, before that, it wasn't great either. So, um, <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I, I, I think any any version of either the past or the present that's too rosy um, is fundamentally um, problematic. Yeah. Oh, and I like. Oh, you chose a wonderful word. I like problematic. Oh, sorry. Says, yeah, okay. <laughs> I would have probably said something a whole lot harsher, but uh, but I agree with you. It is we we have to be honest with ourselves. That is something I found that in reading your book, I felt like you had brought us honest characters who gave us a story that was realistic and full of realism and hope. Um, I want to quote one thing from the book. Uh, yet I, There were so many wonderful things that I just loved that stood out to me. They had come together to stay alive, which was different than staying together to live. And, you know, it, it sort of wrapped up my feeling of we do things in life sometimes to survive, sometimes to make our lives better. We do make alliances. Hopefully we make wise alliances, but alliances nonetheless. So. I just absolutely enjoyed it. Again, the book is called Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea. Do you have a website or social media you would like to share? Uh, sure. Uh, folks can find me on um, R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-E-S, so archetypes, but without the letter A, dot okay. com. And I am also at uh, R-C-H-E-T. Sometimes it's underscore than T-Y-P-E-S and sometimes it's just archetypes um, 
on various social media platforms like Instagram and uh, that's a new one, Blue Sky. <laughs> oh Lord, one more for me to have to oh, download. No. There, there are like seven more, <laughs> I can't keep track of them anymore. <laughs> I will share as many as I can find. Thank you so much, Rita, for joining me. This was so wonderful, I enjoyed it. Thank you, Dan, love this conversation. Great, hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.